0: This is Steel's Real Life, the podcast about real outdoor people with your host, Joe Thomas. Real Life with Joe Thomas is presented by Steel, maker of a full line of gasoline and battery handheld outdoor power equipment. Find yours at SteelUSA.com. Hey, I'm Joe
1: Thomas, and this is Steel's Real Life. I'm here
0: with my good friend
1: and producer, Jim Kramer. How are you today, Jim?
0: Joe, I'm excited, buddy. I'm really excited, and here's why. Three simple reasons. Number one, we are now available on spotify so people can listen to steel's real life with you and me on spotify that's just the start we are also available on the iheart radio app now so things are starting to blow up and i have evidence that things are starting to blow up because believe it or not and this is no joke we are now trending in sweden now sweden that you know i would never thought sweden but you know what they spend a lot of time indoors so i got a lot of time to listen to podcasts and i guess they like outdoors obviously they do like outdoors and and to celebrate not only our friends in sweden but the fact that we're now available on the iHeartRadio app and we're now available on spotify we've got a special guest Tell me a little bit about him.
1: Well, you know, Jim, this show is Steels Real Life's about real outdoor people. That's what I wanted when we started this whole thing. And today, I, we've got a guy that epitomizes this right now, Michael Waddell. He's, he's probably one of the most popular outdoor TV personalities on the planet. I know Michael. I've spent some time with him. and The thing I love about him is he is what you perceive when you see him on TV. He's authentic. Now, he's the dude the real, is authentic. And he's the real deal. Mm-hmm. The guy the guy can, can hunt and he can call and he can do all the things that you see him doing on TV. He does it. And, and if there wasn't a camera on, he'd be doing it anyway. And that's why I love this guy. I can't wait. I, w- I want to talk to him. And that's what we're going to do right now. Hey, Michael, how the heck are you, buddy?
2: Man, I'm doing good, buddy. I just, hey, like everybody else, just been on this old lockdown with Corona, but I've been enjoying it. They ain't a squirrel safe uh, crow, fish. <laughs> Nothing's been safe.
1: <laughs> I can imagine. Well, I, as you know, I got Jim Kramer here with me. Michael, and, uh, how you doing, buddy? He's, hey, uh,
0: Jim, what's happening, buddy? Oh, man, hanging in there.
1: He's the one that keeps us straight, okay? You know, he's running the show over here, but he, he's uh, he's the one that's, that's, that's controlling this whole deal. But uh, you and Jim actually have a little bit more in common than you might know jim always plays it down but jim's had a camera on his shoulder a, a lot I think you did too didn't you
2: man I did a lot of people don't even know that and uh yeah Jim we we owned the old camera jock jock club yeah we, absolutely uh, that's how I got my start I mean you know I was guiding turkey calling and and uh the first really gig I did I guess where I was getting paid was Bill Jordan hired me to guide and then soon into that hired me to run a camera to video and uh you know just try to capture what what we were doing when i was guiding you know turkey hunting and so yeah i I spent so I spent yeah I spent seven years of my career working full time as a camera guy and producer down that real tree.
1: Yeah, that's uh I know that was a big part of your life, but you know what I want to do, man. I always love this. Is this is why I like a podcast because you can just go anywhere. But a lot of people know a lot about you, but I want to take you back a little bit further. I want to know about booger bottoms, Michael Waddell. I want to know <laughs> about that that boy that was that was shooting crows and squirrels and everything growing up. I uh, and all kidding aside. What got you into the outdoors? And I, I, I got a feeling if you're like me, you know, your parents had to have something to do with it. But, but
2: give me a little story. Well, you know, it's funny because, yeah, I look at how, how I was raised and um, I mean, I grew up literally completely legitimate, not even knowing how blessed I was at the time until I started getting a little older. I just grew up in, in hunting and outdoors. It's all I knew, so I didn't even think of it as a as a hobby or something to do. It was just life, kind of like walking or breathing. Because you know, if you grow up real country, like man, we I mean, the country is a chicken coop, man. I, in Bottom, <laughs> I mean, Booger Bottom was this area that i mean it was full of rednecks They was trailers there is, it was trailer is it in georgia is it in georgia jo- yeah it's it's in georgia i gotta the google road, that uh, one <laughs> you gotta come i don't even know that it, it don't even it's like an area in between warm springs and uh woodbury but it was it was it was real country folks i mean uh, dirt road i grew up in a trailer right beside my papa who had a little old shotgun house he made corn liquor and sold it and uh I mean, that's, that's, that's what he did. I mean, this is still real life. This is real life shit right here. <laughs> <laughs> right. And um, and, and so I remember, you know, like squirrel hunting and walking through the woods and not even thinking about it being fun, but like shooting a few squirrels and taking them back. And my, my Papa had, he had been divorced. And so his girlfriend at the time was a, a woman named Claudine and, and she always made sweet tea and anything we killed, she would come cook it. And, we would bring her everything from turtles to squirrels to rabbits. My papa would run trot lines with me. Miss was... Claudine, I love <laughs> her already. Claudine, I mean, I know it. It's like I can't make this stuff up. You was know, because like, Joe and Jim, all of you know, we're in this marketing world now where we behind these products, but. A lot of people, you know, and it's it's been frustrating because sometimes people create these characters, you know, and, and uh, yeah. they'll ride it out. And so a lot of times I've been accused of like, oh, Booger Bottom, nice tagline, you know, Man, the kid from Booger Bottom, you know, or yeah, you know, your, your papa or this and that. And, and I'm like, so now lately, especially through all the, the media opportunities, I've been able to show a lot more of, you know, where I come from and, and my life and truly, you know, where I come from and the people and the culture. And so, yeah, it was, it was a hundred percent legitimate. It wasn't just a marketing thing to say booger bottom. It, it was how I was raised up. And so I learned so much else about life, you know, and traveling and going to Las Vegas to these shows and, you know, meeting you, Joe, you know, I met you, I think, first time I was at a sports show, like where we're in this big city. So you got all these country folks and fishermen and hunters and outdoorsmen and tactical guys and, you know, military, <laughs> policemen and women. And all of a sudden we're in Las Vegas, Nevada. So, yeah, yeah. we don't know. I mean, we, we obviously gonna get in a little bit of trouble. We don't even, I mean, like, holy cow, man, blackjack, what do we do? You know, so, so, uh, so, yeah, I, I guess growing up, Joe, Jim, it, it was. It was so cool. I, I, the best way to sum it up, it honest to God, if you watch Huckleberry Finn I, or, or think of Tom Sawyer, I was able to have that lifestyle. I mean, just out the door. I mean, jumping on a dirt bike, you know, grabbing a twenty-two. I remember being eight, nine, ten years old, grabbing a twenty-two and like, Mom, I'm gonna go hunt some squirrel. All right, be safe. Be back here at supper time. And, <laughs> and it's and it was like looking back, it's like, oh my God. I mean, did Mom and Dad want me to have a, an accident or? Was they hoping I wouldn't come back? I mean I mean we just <laughs> we just did some crazy fun stuff, damming up creeks and putting out, you know, turtle traps and 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 the little things that I look back, I don't even know if they were legal or not now, but it was all <laughs> we knew. And uh and so yeah, that just led into my passion for hunting. And I started realizing that, you know, as things progressed, we started getting turkeys in our area and um and I deer hunted, and did all the small game stuff with my dad and and, uh, my papa, my uncle Morgan, and it'd been great and never even realized there was a hunting industry. And I remember, uh, I got the turkey called in a lot and, uh, and it started getting pretty good. And, and the first time I went turkey hunting, we killed a turkey. And then I I started realizing that, that I got really lucky, you know, when that happened. And so uh not long after that, as uh, as as I started really getting passionate about it, I started doing a lot of practicing turkey calling and there was a guy named Dale Ron, Ron Brother Game Calls. You know, you heard the Ron family, they're just I mean godfathers of turkey calling and, and they the Dale's kids won many grand national championships and they took me under my wing and said, Man, whatever you this young kid, you're a good caller. And I started competing and winning right off the bat, and that's where I met Bill Jordan and he hired me as a turkey God. one thing led to another and just like jim and we started running the camera and next thing you know i'm, I'm full time wait a minute i gotta put it. the brakes
1: on you so bill jordan hired you <laughs> to take him turkey hunting i i, I, I mean uh, <laughs> i like that i think that's pretty cool a young guy like you get a chance to hunt with a who's become a legend like him you know
2: well it was, it was crazy because yeah bill bill hired me and in, in, in one of my first camera gig deals i videoed bill you know killing a grand slam of turkeys with his with his bow and arrow, and oh, wow. um, Bill hired me to I take riders hunting. I remember getting a chance to take people like Dale Earnhardt, um, you know, Larley Dovey. You know, at the time I look back, Tom and Betty Lou Fagley, who were outdoor riders, and and you guys know Jim and Joe both. You remember the days to where that was the celebrities were the riders, the outdoor riders, Absolutely. Were the celebrities. You betcha. And and man, I couldn't believe. I mean, I remember uh, Jim Zumbo coming down, and I remember all these these people that I couldn't believe I was meeting. And and, and back in those days, there really wasn't outside of the Fred bear and his tapes. Noel feather had these VHS tapes, uh, the Fitzgerald's um, you know, and and, uh, people like Chuck Adams are huge, you know, from print killing the super slam and, and so th- they wouldn't, so to speak, outside of maybe Babe Winkerman, which he, I think he hunted with Jesus, uh, Babe did, <laughs> so, uh he's getting that old. And so <laughs> Jesus
1: and Jamin Krebs, our yeah, buddy yeah, in Montana. Yeah,
2: Jamin Krebs. that's right. Yeah. <laughs> we got a shout out uh, to Jamin, yeah. <laughs> that's right, old Jamin. Yeah. But, uh, but yeah, and you had Jackie Bushman, stuff like that. But outside of that, these people I was getting a chance to take hunting were my heroes. So it was kind of intimidating and a blessing and exciting at the same time. And so, uh. I just couldn't believe it, and I and I remember my first time that Bill or David Blanton called me and said, "Look, we want you to come help take some outdoor riders hunting and guide for us." I showed up, and I remember like three or four days into this hunt, David said, "Hey, I need your social security number." I said, "Wow, man, what did I do?" I mean, I, what? I, and they said, "No, man, we need to. Uh, we, we we I'm gonna get it to our accountant. We you know we're paying you to guide." And I was like, "What?" And and David said, "Yeah, we're paying you a hundred dollars a day to help us." What a deal! And I'm like. I couldn't believe it. I'm thinking, and I'm, these guys have been buying my lunch, my dinner. And I'm like, shoot, this is a fun gig. You know, they had places to hunt. I didn't even, I took them to some of my little honey holes because, you know, Realtree, the other good thing about it is Realtree, their corporate office, wasn't from about an hour to an hour and 20 minutes from where I live. So, you know, I could be there pretty quick. So it, it was just crazy and fun. And it was literally like, being at Disney World, it's like getting a job at Disney World and hanging out with Mickey Mouse or something. I don't know.
1: And you know, it's funny how I, I always talk about it, and you I go back and look at stuff that happened in my life. That that one little twist or that one little introduction in your life that changed you, literally maybe set your whole career path. And that uh, Bill Jordan is one is is one of those type of guys, or that that meeting is pretty amazing. And I I got it. I always laugh. I tell a funny story. You know, I I fished professionally, as you know, for thirty. 30 years and one time we had a tournament down at uh, uh, Lake Eufaula and we got done with the tournament, and I was single and young and running around, you know, like we all did. And uh, we ran over to Columbus, Georgia, and we were in this uh, this uh, uh, nightclub kind of deal. And Columbus, Georgia ain't got a whole lot of those, as you know. And yeah, uh, and and I was in there, and there was this this table, man, and and there was a lot of activity around this one table, and I had to do a little flyby just see what was going on. I really didn't know him, but I recognized Bill Jordan was sitting there, and Bill recognized me because Bill's was in his daddy was in the fishing business, and, and uh, he come over, and we started talking about bass fishing, and at the tournament, and how'd you do, and all that, and uh, I thought that was pretty cool, but he said, I want you to meet somebody, and I said, well, all right, sure. He took me over, and, and, and he introduced me to Wade Boggs, and I had no clue who <laughs> Wade Boggs was, dude. I knew who Bill Jordan was, but I didn't know who Wade Boggs was. That's country. Was.
0: Now that's country. But
1: that's I was, Yo. I know. Yeah. I know, but I'm I'm you know, I'm a I, I my life was fishing and hunting and and uh and I I still I remember that meeting like it was yesterday. It had to be in the 80s, mid early mid, mid 80s and Bill handed me one of his his business cards. Had to be one of the first ones for RealTree camouflage and I tw- I still have it in my in my little card file to this day and that's my that's my introduction to bill jordan and i guess my meeting for wade boggs i don't that didn't go so well but anyway
2: <laughs> <laughs> dude that's crazy man i know i i i'd heard you mentioned that but i hadn't heard exactly how that went down and that is i mean i mean first of all yes you're right bill was a big fisherman and bill jordan is a heck of a bass fisherman yeah i remember his right. family and he I remember he used to fish some tournaments and, you know, you follow being right down the road from, from Columbus and stuff. And so I remember Bill telling all these stories and I remember early in my career, Bill would always have the Roland Martins and the, and the, uh, the de- dead gum, Jimmy Houston, those type guys. And I got a chance to take them hunting too, but, but uh, but Wade, that's hilarious! You didn't even yeah. recognize Wade. Oh, I told Do my not. buddies
1: I met this. I met some baseball player. He's named Wade Somebody, and they're all like, "Holy cow! Did you get his autograph?" I said, uh, "No, but I got a business card from Bill Jordan." And he said, "Well, who the hell is that?" <laughs> who knows? Yeah. Who
2: knows,
0: Joe? You, you could have party with Michael Jordan and <laughs> oh, Michael Barkley. Yeah. Yeah. Think and about it. Maybe, maybe talk about you know, those terms. He wouldn't even have known it. And it maybe not.
1: It. Maybe not even known it. But uh, oh man! But well, so you get in with Bill, and you're taking off. All these crazy cool people that you've idolized probably like me i i idolized those same people you mentioned their names coming up and where was you know what was the next step i mean you've talked about the camera and running camera was that just something
2: you evolved into completely evolved into so so i had went to school you know i met bill and this around high school and I met Bill, and um, and early into it, you know, I was doing this competition turkey calling. I was doing all this stuff, and then that led to an opportunity to to run this camera. So here I am, am, and I'm like, okay, cool. They're paying me hundred dollars a day. But I'd went to heating and air school and got a degree in heating and air technology. One thing led to another, and I was I was working at this pro shop, and so I had been videoing a little bit as well uh, for the pro shop. And uh, this, when I say pro shop, this little archery pro shop in Manchester, Georgia. And so I was kind of at this weird crossroads in my life. I had I'd had a, a little small scholarship opportunity to play football at the small college up in North Carolina. And so I was trying to figure all this out. And uh, my mom had passed away when I was young, when I was 16. So it was really just me and my dad, and my sister. And so I, I didn't know what to do. And I was starting to be educated that they was this thing called a hunting industry and i knew nothing about business and so yeah really i i, I remember sitting down talking with my dad and i remember one day in, in particular my dad bill jordan and and uh, myself were sitting at breakfast talking at at this grand national turkey calling contest and i had done well and bill was like so michael what are you wanting to do you know you, we've enjoyed getting to know you but what are you going to do and, uh, and i said i don't know i got an opportunity i think i'd go to college you know and And Bill was like, you need to go to college. And so my dad, it's funny how times have changed. My dad was like, well, I don't care what he does. He just got to make a living. You know, he got to get, he got to get to work, you know? That's right. And, And, um, and so my dad never told me I had to do any certain thing. He was just like, you know, work on passion and, and, and work hard, whatever you do, try to be the best. And so, uh, so I look back and thank God I was raised by a father like that. He wasn't adamant because I think in my situation, had I went to a university, I might've missed my opportunity within this hunting industry. And I do think, you know, good Lord's kind of looks over you and gives you this opportunity to do things that you don't even know. That's and, right. uh, yeah. and and so I was in this situation that I didn't know much about, but I was having fun. I was kind of not even thinking about money. I was just thinking about opportunity. And and finally, uh, I, that that next spring rolled around and I decided to not go to college and I decided to uh, basically quit everything I was doing and to focus on having a chance to work with David Blanton and Realtree. And I did that for a complete year and that was around that 94, 95. And then all of a sudden 96, they offered me a full-time position, $18,000 a year. My card said, my, my, my card said cameraman. I mean, I couldn't, man, i I was broke son but but i was the dream
0: job you got the dream job
2: man dude yes hey that was still highly
0: paid for a camera guy in the outdoor industry it still is today man
1: jim doesn't make that now
0: 18
2: grand
1: we need to talk later
0: my negotiating skills suck brother You hear Jim say, "Whoa!" Yeah, he thought that was a little bit. He was yeah. like, "You got paid that yeah. much? I got ripped
2: off.
0: That's right, ninety six. Yeah, ninety six. You make an eighteen grand a year? You rich man? Yeah. I really hate you now, Waddell." <laughs>
2: <laughs> but uh, so yeah, and I remember like just like I couldn't believe it. I remember telling my dad, you know, I was obviously getting all hooked up with camo. I had all these turkey calls. So in my mind, I'm like holy cow life can't get any, any bigger and better and you know and, and it's funny i was at the time i was uh it wasn't long after that you know I, I i i you know trying to figure out where to go and and looking back man i was so focused on my career you know it it, it was different too because i was i was in the process i'd, I'd been at the time dating my l- old high school sweetheart it led to marriage and 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 again the hunting industry and you guys know the the you know, everybody thinks it's hunky dory, but I become this selfish dude. that All I was thinking about was hunting and my, my career and mm-hmm. real tree. And so uh, it didn't take long for that to dwindle out. And we, we end up getting a divorce. And I look back and it was, it was, it was completely my doing. I mean, I was so, so engulfed and so engrossed in, in my opportunity. I wasn't thinking about money. I was just thinking that I was getting to do what I love the most. And I was so passionate that you know, it took priority of everything, and so th- that that was good in one way because it gave me a chance to pull out a magnifying glass and focus on the things that I was good at from turkey calling, turkey hunting. I really took a passion, Jim, to the camera. I really wanted to learn more about editing and producing. Sure. And I'm talking about two or three years in it, we had a show on TNN, and David Blanton, who was the executive producer, is what his title was, or Bill's right-hand man, David Blanton gave me a promotion and allowed me to start editing and being – titled the producer of real Tree outdoors on TNN. And, and I wasn't even there two or three years. And, um, so I look back and I can see how I was able to work with those guys and succeed, but I was also easy to look back now and see how everything else I left behind and made a lot of mistakes too. I don't really regret it because I think in life, you know, regrets are, are something that I don't label them as the grits. It was valleys that you learn places and you got the peaks and valleys. And so, you know, and so in reality, I can't look back and and, and readjust or redo. And I can't live in the past. You only go forward. But at the same time, it was just a crazy, wild, adventurous ride of, of the American dream. But also all this little details in between that sometimes that story don't get told. But it's been a crazy ride. And here it is now. I mean, almost 25, 30 years later. And here we are still talking, you know, about about uh about what's out there for anybody when it comes to fishing and hunting. And now my older son, he's on a fishing scholarship, Joe. He I he, knew he that. Looks, I knew that. Yeah, I heard he, he was one of the hottest and, ones yeah. in the country is what I heard. Well oh, he's, he's done he's done well. He's done well, but it's been so amazing and like he loves you, man. He mm. he loves I mean, he looks at these, you know, these bass elite and the pros as just He's got so much respect for the skill. But as you know, Joe, everybody, you know, when they look at the fishing world, they think, man, it'd be nice to fish. You know, you don't hear about the 2 o'clock in the morning you need to pull over because you're about to run off the road and hit a telephone pole and you're trying to get your boat to the next tournament. You're tired. You've been been living on the fudge round and honey bun, and and you ain't got no (laughs) money in your pocket. Yep. You know, and and even though you got this name, you've been getting your butt kicked for the last four tournaments. And, yeah, you got a little sponsor money, but you're broke, and you don't even know if you can afford a Motel 6. So therefore, you sleep in your truck, and it's cold, it's nasty, and and and, and then you know what? You got a girlfriend, or wife, or a kid that wants to see you too. So, so Mason now gets all that through high school and college fishing, and so uh, there there is no easy road to success. There is no easy road. And, no, uh,
1: and I I listened to your story. It's so funny how many parallels that, you know, we only got so much time here, but we could, you and I could visit back and forth about uh, the parallels in, in my life and growing up and what I'm hearing in yours and how little things, you know, in turns that, that could have changed things. And I think you said something that's so important is, you know, you you can't look back. You got to, and you can't regret, you got to look forward. Let's face it, whether it's in the, the hunting or the fishing outdoor industry, it, it is a tough road. It, regardless what people think, you know, you're not making millions and millions of dollars. You're in it. Yes, you want to make a living and feed your family, which we've both done pretty well, but we're in it because we love it. And and I think that's the whole thing. And people see that. It comes through on TV. I believe that. I think I've had people tell me that. You look like you're really having fun. Well, that's because when I catch a bass, I am dang sure having fun. You know what I mean? Because yeah, act. He is
0: not I'm not an, an
1: actor. actor. I can't he even has, read a teleprompter. He has zero
0: thespian skills. Yeah, well, I don't, even know, what that right that, I
1: don't even know what that word
0: is. But yeah, anyway. well, believe me, he is not. A a thespian, uh, if there were any questions, not a thespian, but
1: but I, I gotta ask you, I gotta ask you. So, so we've got this, this I'm guessing early 20s guy who's producing this huge show for TNN, and you're working with Bill and you're and you're running a camera, you're doing all this. You blew up in, in my world when I really knew Michael Waddell, was when this, in my opinion, very revolutionary ahead of its time show. Real tree road trips comes up. How did that was that you man, or was that Bill? or was that a combination? How did that whole thing happen?
2: It, it was basically a, a creative idea from life on the road and meeting a lot of my heroes. Um, in the outdoor world, the fishing world, as well as these personalities, like I mentioned the Earnhardt, the Jeff Foxworth, these are mark chestnuts country singers and and just blown away and so there was a producer at the time working at Realtree too called Steve Finch, and so he and I were always talking about some of the things we kept missing. so our responsibility was taking these big beta cams, which Jim already started rubbing his lower back when he thought
0: of that old beta camera. Oh, but, my God. Yes. He done had shoulder a, surgery because yeah, of Yeah, I've already had a blowed up shoulder. I, I grew a second <laughs> head. A That's right. you, you ever had one of those grow? A second head from Dude. toting a camera for about 10 hours?
2: You ain't lying. And you you like the hunchback of Notre Dame one show. You was got lower that exactly
0: right. Yeah. Exactly yeah. right. Yeah.
2: Yeah. yeah. Toting the big old venting tripods around, yeah. big beta, BVP 90s. Hey, you know, it's funny, hey, those hey, cameras were. Yeah.
0: I go back to three-quarter inch. I used to have a tethered deck, okay? He's old. Yeah, he's his, nice. he's old, that's Michael. How, that's how old I am, man. And I'm talking about humping a three-quarter inch tethered deck up a tree with the camera. Every time the tape would wind up, it would sound like demolition derby at the county fair. <laughs> Every deer within 55 miles would, would hit the road. Oh, yeah, that's that, that's how we started this thing. So funny. I go back a little Jim, bit. You- Jim, you got to be getting old.
2: Look, if it goes silent, we realize you're on a pee break. <laughs>
0: hey, I could be peeing right now, buddy. I got all that handled. You know what I'm saying? That's how old yeah, I am. That's, our, new, our new sponsor for Jim is Depends. <laughs> exactly, exactly. But, oh, yeah, goodness. hey, those beta cams, man, that was like an advancement. I can record in the camera at the same time? That was the height oh, of technology. Unbelievable. It was great. You guys are killing oh. me.
2: Oh, man. And what's funny is that's what – just think, we ain't even started telling the lies yet. We're just telling the truth. <laughs>
0: yeah,
2: uh, but yeah, I think that road trip. So that's what happened for me was I was around these people from the producers of these shows, and we're working with TNN, we're working with ESPN, we got all these celebrities, and so we had this part of this starchy. Uh, and you guys know exactly what I'm saying with this. You had this starchy. The clothes were pressed. The camouflage was pressed. The bass fishermen said the certain, you know, had to act a certain way. But then all of a sudden, we get through. Uh, from people like Jim, who is wear the three quarter deck or, or <laughs> you know, you you're setting the cameras down, the fire starts up. Now we start talking about our families. Maybe there's a, a red solo cup. Who knows what could be in it? Yeah, absolutely. And we start telling stories. And then there's a Mark Chestnut that busts out a guitar. And all of a sudden it's us who come from these backgrounds like, oh my God, how blessed are we to be out here in South Texas, a fire burning, going to be hunting deer in the morning or out on the lake in Salto in the morning. and and, 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 my God, this is unbelievable. But I started realizing we weren't capturing any of that because at the time that was too racy for outdoors. That was too racy for outdoors hunting and fishing because, you know, you couldn't show an adult beverage. You, you dang show couldn't show that maybe there was somebody had a Cuban cigar puffing on it in the background. And, and it was Joe telling the joke and, 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 amongst those jokes and those adult beverages was stories of our wives, our kids, our families, and, you know, life and where we come from. And I remember quickly into this, and then you had the, the fun stuff, the shenanigans, and the crazy stuff, or. Are saying, dude, it's Texas. We can take a light and go shoot jackrabbits. Y'all want to do that? And <laughs> I'm like, yeah, I'm like, yeah, dude, you know, and somebody like Joe, like, that's fine, but I got to freaking put the boat in the ramp at 4 o'clock in the morning. <laughs> yeah. And so, you know, like, okay, well, do you want in or out? Yeah, I'm not going to miss out. And so next thing you know, you know, it's 3.45 and Joe's like, dude, take me back. I got to get my boat and them in <laughs> and like, You know, And so, and so, you know, and he's out there with bloodshot eyes and, and it wasn't that we did anything wrong. We're just like a bunch of teenagers freaking riding around shining jackrabbits and armadillos and coons at night. And so, I started realizing none of that, that's what we all grew up doing. So I'm thinking if there's 13 million hunters, they all probably do it the same way. Sure. There is sure. If there's the starch down 3% that just hated us for that. But I'm thinking, why don't we show more of this and show the personalities? And so that's, that's really what we did. So what was crazy, who would have ever thought that the revolutionary part of that show was just showing it exactly as it is showing these personalities and these people. So for me, I was just an instigator or liaison to show you what Mark Chestnut was just about. I was a liaison to show you what it was like to be behind the scenes with, a you know, KVD or or, or, or you, Joe, or a dead Jimmy Houston or whatever yeah. it is. And so but it was kind of a it definitely was not R-rated, but it was definitely informative to seeing and hearing some things a little off color that you normally wouldn't have heard out of these people. And that, I think, is what gave it. That little zine, but in reality, everybody had that at their fingertips. So I think that show when the personalities and producers started seeing the show, they were almost pissed. It was a love hate for me because it's like I never thought I was anything special. A- and I wasn't. It was these stories. The special thing was what we all had. It, we, we had it, but we were nervous, and the industry was terrified to show it. And and so uh and looking back, I look back and I'm like, oh my God, this is insanely G rated especially if we let our kids turn on netflix or the tv shows now absolutely it's nothing it's nothing and so for me i think that's why we got to keep pushing i think we got to keep pushing outdoor hunting and fishing and you know look man i love i love jesus but also i love a cold beard and and i'm not i'm not i will sit here and it's a friday night in georgia and dixieland and i can tell you i just talked to my wife and she's going to store right now i watched her pull out of here she's running up to the supermarket gonna get a couple ribeyes uh my sister-in-law and brother-in-law's coming over i got a couple of My my is gonna be around i'm gonna get me a cooler beer and we're gonna grill a steak and, and 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 my point being is if you guys were close i'd say get you but come on over uh, you know i might say grab a steak i only got three <laughs> grab a steak jim eats two yeah. jim will eat too yeah. so I'd, I'd have yeah. to definitely stop yeah. by the store for yeah. him yeah.
0: <laughs> Uh, so, I'm
2: like, what if, if something's wrong with that with my family and my kids and the good Lord watching? And I know that all my friends are doing a lot of that, and people are at hunting camps and getting ready to, you know, getting ready for turkey season or bass fishing, these bass getting ready to bed and do these certain things. So, I I just don't think it's wrong. I don't think it's wrong for us to to celebrate some of the simpler things. And, and so, uh, it's just right there.
0: All right, Joe, you remember in our last episode, we talked about steel, we talked about ways to use your steel power equipment in the winter time, right, like trimming your trees and branches.
1: Yeah, and right now is the perfect time. I know we're, we're buried in snow here, but believe it or not, this is the time to get out there and trim those branches and those trees because they're dormant. And and this is definitely the time that you want to do that.
0: Uh, very true, and then of course we talked about clearing some of the, the, the leaves that may have uh, been left in your yard off with your blower because...
1: Well, I can tell you right now, we can't even get to our leaves (laughs) but that's true in in the in the late winter you're going to have those patches of leaves that are still you know piled up or standing in in the places in your yard and you can use the blower to get rid of those because if you don't you're going to have that ugly bare spot and you're going to be overseeding in the spring so yeah i use my blower a lot this time of year as well when we don't have 12 inches of snow.
0: Well, Joe, believe it or not, now, I know we haven't been doing this for a long time, but we have to make a correction. We have to issue a retraction from the last time uh, I we think, talked I about think steel. I think you do. You do. Actually, I will take full responsibility for it because it is my job. But, but last time we, we we made a mistake and we said that there are over 9,000 steel dealers in the United States. Wrong. Coast to coast. Wrong, Jim. I was wrong. I was wrong. There are actually over 10,000 steel dealers now. Across the United States, you literally have to live in such a remote location to have a steel dealer near you huh. that you don't have anything near you, much less a steel e- exactly. dealer.
1: Exactly. But the cool thing about having that many dealers is you can find one near you. All you have to do is to go to steelusa.com and you can find, you can locate the nearest dealer near you. You can even order online and go to the local dealer and pick it up, and he'll run through the product line with you. Uh, it's it's a perfect scenario, and there's always one near you. Yeah. you. It's funny too, Michael. When I listen to you tell that story, I love that story, by the way, and I know the people listening are going to love it too, because because I I felt every minute of it, and I was I was as a fan, I was along for the ride because I could I mean, dude, I I was I, I watched every one of those episodes, and I'm like, and I felt like I got to know you better and better every week, not just the the guests that you had on, but you. And then when I got to be buddies with you on the side because we met each other and started you know, getting to interact a little bit, I'm like, this this guy is the guy that I see on TV and that's what's been missing all the time. And that's why... In my opinion, that's why America loves you. Is because you you brought to the forefront a personality that was real. You told those stories. I think Real Tree Road Trips came at the right time. I think you came in at the right time. But I also know that you're still a fairly young guy, and and you've you've done a lot since then. I'd like to hear kind of what you got going, what you got planned. I always like to ask people what the what the future is looking like for what's the future look like for Michael Waddell.
2: Well, Joe, yeah, first of all, thank you, buddy. And, and, and I, and I feel the same, you know, even about, about you and so many people in this industry that have been trailblazers and doing some stuff that's, uh, that, that really, you, you know, you turn, you know, I think that when you get to this point in your life where at the beginning, you know, you're just really excited about hunting and fishing and whether it's grabbing a camera or maybe you get a chance to, to partake in the activities of, of hunting or, or even catching a fish, no matter what you're doing, it's, it's kind of a shallow, exciting, almost in some cases a little greedy because you're trying to get your pocket full of those opportunities and those trips and, and just take it all in. And, and so I think one thing that's changed in me is I feel like now I, I finally, you know, with, with more crow feet under my eyes and getting older and gray, gray in my beard and hair and and, you know, and like, why is my back hurting a little bit more now than it was back in the road trips days? Yeah. I have now felt the weight, not the weight, but the responsibility and the conviction to be more of a true, I guess, ambassador. And so now I think for me, where I didn't do as much within the, the fishing world, I'm now more about the culture that we all represent, because now every day is more I'm more appreciative. I wake up and I look at. You know, my family, I look at just the, the trees blowing and not to sound philosophical, but I'm sitting here thinking, thank you, God, man. Thank I'm so I'm so excited about all the things I've had a chance to do. So now I'm so convicted as to to kind of preach the gospel of like, guys, check out this lifestyle, not about just a big deer or a big bass or how big your weight is and buy fish. Just see what it's like to get out here and freaking hear a turkey gobble and to be out west and to be in Georgia and to have this time with your family to make a big old pot of chili and, and, and just sit around a campfire and talk stories and, and and BS and laugh and cut up and get to know different people. And, and that to me is what I think I'm more convicted to do now. So I'm not as convicted to, man, if I can just kill this big old deer in Kansas, that that's going to be awesome. Yeah, I'm still pushed and and I hunt hard and I still want to for myself, it's a personal quest that I want to you know, hunt and shoot big deer, but I don't think the public gives a rip if I shoot a big one or a little one. I think it's about celebrating what we love the most and, uh, and also pushing these other personalities to let the people know more about them because what I realized in traveling this world is a lot of – you said something really profound, Joe. You said when I met you, I watched your show – and I liked it, and then I met you, well, that, that proves that what, what people have within anything, whether it's a movie star, a country singer, or somebody we look up to, or we're a fan of, we always have this nervous anxiety about meeting somebody that you already like their product, their music, or their show, because there's this, this chance you think they could be a jerk, or who are they really, and so what usually happens in the hunting industry, and a lot of times in the fishing world, is the fact that they'll be a big fan of of somebody, you know, maybe a a young kid who's a bass fisherman. And let's just call it a KVD. Let's call it, you know, one of the young guys, Justin Atkinson. Atkinson's out there doing really well, or Jesse Wiggins is doing well right now. You know, they they like the way they fish. They like maybe their Instagram posts. But then they meet them, and they're either going to say one or two things. They're either going to say, dude, he's just like he was on his Instagram posts. Or they're going to say, dude, I like this guy even better now that I know him. He's... This guy was, is way funnier. He don't even act like this in his show or in his fishing. He, he is funny as real. I run into him down at Applebee's and we sit and talk about this and that, and I ain't never thought, I never thought this guy was funny like that. And so I, I'm I'm more now pushing people to say, look, man, we got a lot of talented people and a lot of legitimate personalities. And we got a lot of people that don't, that ain't near as good as they think they are they're in their (laughs) own little cloud you know that too oh Oh, you
1: know about that yep yep they're they're fake
2: some of these guys are faking it and um you know they got all their stickered up you know trailers and trucks and stuff and and they couldn't fish or hunt their way out of a wet paper sack but that's fine they can do that they will be found out but a lot of times the best people in our industry you don't get to know them the public don't get to know them like we should because uh I can, you know, give so many examples. You know, one would be Jackie Bushman. Jackie is obviously great on TV, but Jackie's got this personality that he's the buckmaster and he does it the same way every time. He's been doing it the same way since the 80s. But man, if you ever around Jackie Bushman, you'll never quit laughing. He is funny, he's dry, he's sarcastic. And every time I have one of my friends, they like, dude, that dude is crazy. He's so funny. <laughs>
1: And he doesn't come and, across that way on TV. Yeah.
2: No, he does not. And so you know if jackie hears this i'm not cutting jackie down a no. i love the guy yeah. my wife like oh my god we're going over to an auburn game you know he mm-hmm. played tennis at auburn he was an athlete mm-hmm. if you call tennis an athlete <laughs> uh, he, he, uh, he's, he's
1: i do jackie <laughs> I, mean, I do yes. jackie. i do jackie okay
0: absolutely <laughs> uh, tennis so is a sport my
2: wife is my wife is like oh my god i can't wait jackie's gonna be there she knows it's gonna be fun they'll they'll be over there laughing and cutting up and jackie's you know, going to score up some chicken wings and, and get a draft beer and, and and so my point being is is uh that's a prime example. And I tell Jackie all the time, Jackie, I want people to know this side of you. If they knew this side of you, you've had tremendous success. Imagine if they knew it all. And so Jackie is always one of those guys that people end up liking them more than they even already like him. Where there's some people that they'll like their show and they'll meet him like, Oh my God, this guy's a prick. Yep. You know? Yeah. Seriously, you yep. know and so for me, I just think we need to celebrate those accomplishments and and one thing i will say i know i get long winded and get excited about no, like but but joe the one thing i've always liked about you and i and i look at our careers is very similar so you know this and i know this um there is a lot of people that don't even know your accolades as a tournament fisherman they think of joe as a TV host guy. of a, uh-huh. an archery show or tv guy mm-hmm. or as a as a host or an announcer or, you know whatever they want to but then they start looking behind the scenes like, wait a minute, Joe Tom. Oh, he won. Oh, he was, dude, he was in the top 10. And so they realize. so a lot of people don't even know me. They see me as this TV guy or this, you know, kid who gets to hunt and do all this stuff. They don't even know that through the Turkey calling ranks that I had a chance to win grand national championships and world championships. And that's what cracked me in the door. So, you know, anybody listening out there, you know, Joe and I was a prime example we had this passion to, to be the best we could at certain things, him fishing, might be turkey hunting. But what we did was use that to open doors and to crack doors open. And then you got to kick them doors down. And who knows where life would take you outside of that. And now here it is, Joe Thomas, he gets to probably hunt more than he does fish. And then you look at me, I get to elk hunt probably more than I turkey hunt. So when you when you get down to it, who would have ever thought that? And so that's the American dream. They're not doing this crap in Turkmenistan. They're not even doing it in France. But in America, the American dream is alive. And Preach, you know, Joe buddy. Thomas, you Michael Waddell, it, and even even Jim, Jim here, you know, as a camera guy, now we're doing these podcasts, doing all these things. And so I just get very aggravated. It sometimes strips away empathy. And I don't sympathize with people like I should because I'm thinking if I can do it, if a Joe Thomas can do it, why are you sitting here? bitching and whining get up and do something you got to be great at something do what you're great at do what you're passionate at and don't chase money chase passion chase making a difference chase purpose and if you do it right and you're good at it and legitimate i guarantee you there will be a, some type of paycheck that will come because that is america and so with that, that that's just the way i look at things and and, and i look at I look at Joe, I look at all these people that's been birthed through the turkey calling world, all these personalities that's birthed through the bash fishing circuit, you know, these people that have killed big deer, but now they're bass fishing. There's so many different ways, so crack the door open, work hard, and and I think that right now is the best time ever for these young kids to do what you want to, and there's kids making money on YouTube, as social media influencers. Just know that you can't do it everywhere, so when these people get to whining about America— Hey, they ain't doing it in a lot of other countries, but you can still do it in America.
1: Yeah. And, you know, I, 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 right on this line, I remember a line, uh, you know, in my opinion, one of the best bass fishermen that ever walked the planet, and it's still walking and still catching them to some degree, Rick Klun. I, I, yes. I, I remember one time Rick Clunn said to me, and he looked, I mean, you know, Rick's a, a pretty deep guy. He's not warm and fuzzy. And he says, you can't fake passion and you can't fake talent. That's the two things nope. that you can't fake. And if you put passion and talent together, you got a place to go. I think the fact that we love what we do makes all the difference in the world. And and I, I Jim and I have been doing business together for 20 years. You know, we're business partners and, and he's a producer of our shows. And a couple of times recently, I'm 59 years old, a couple of times recently I said, you know, when do you think we'll retire? And he looked at me and he said, so what are you going to do when you retire? Go hunting and fishing? <laughs> and I said, I said, you know, you're right. And he he said, we'll know, we'll know. And I will tell you what, when I look at a guy, Rick Clun, seventy three years old, that won a Bassmaster tournament Jim, Jim event Bassmaster, yeah. a, 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 on St. John's River, the oldest guy ever do it. And and uh, I I look at I look at that, and I say, you know what? You know, I'm I'm am as long as I can climb that hill, and as long as I can draw that bow I, I, and and make a cast, I'm going to be out there doing it absolutely
2: See, and I, and I love that and my son being a you know a tournament bass fisherman you know uh, these young kids are, are blowing my mind first of all the the technical ability is, is insane uh, they're, they're breaking records even in high school these kids are fishing obviously they know how to take advantage of the technology and you know the debt finders and fish finders, whatever you call them it's unbelievable but uh i did tell mason and we were talking about the old fishermen the mason them had gotten their butt handed to them pretty good on this tournament and i said He's like, Dad, I swear I ain't never tried to. I thought we'd done this. We tried this. We tried this. I said, you know, we we fly over here to this this place and trying to catch them on sh- offshore, then we went over here and we had marks and we did this. And, and of course, he's talking way over my head. And I said, Mason, I'll tell you one tip I'd give you. I said, uh, you need to go talk to them old ones. Clon's a good example. You would be a good example. You know, Hank Parker. I can – you know, even a KVD, he's still out there. And I said, you know, there's still a part of these old school guys that – you young guys are running around trying to catch a, you know, y'all flying going 700 mile an hour to catch a fish. I said, the old parable of the bull in the pasture, we certainly can't tell it. it's a family show. I said, <laughs> <That's> exactly <laughs> right. right. Yeah. but yeah. we know, said, we know what you mean. I, Just yeah, walk those
0: 700 miles. Yeah. So, yeah.
2: So the old, the old fisherman, the clun or the Thomas would probably say, Hey, you know, rather than go a hundred mile an hour, to go over and catch a fish. Why don't we troll over and catch them all? That's right. And, uh, and so, and so, uh, and, and so anyway, I said, Mason, you know, a lot of this stuff, you know. He, he mentioned that. Matter of fact, he he brought it up and said, "Dad, did you realize Colin just won this tournament?" And he said, "Dad, he's he's, and he's a huge fan. He's he's like a student. And him and his partner Kyle Culpepper, same way. They're such a student of. He they can name you just. They could probably go back and name bags that these fishermen won tournaments on, and the fishermen won't even remember yep. what the weight was or or what the three day total was, and they can't. And um and I told him, I said, Mason. Here's what you got to realize is all the technology, these these guys are talented. And I said, when you get to the point where you're not even really thinking about it, because I get asked this all the time with turkey, because if there's one thing that I love to do and passionate and feel like I'm pretty confident in almost every decision, even though I still get my butt kicked a lot. I told Mason, I said, I never think about, I never think when a turkey gobbles where to set up, I'm never thinking deep. I just immediately, this sense of just, of knowing and having this good instinct of wanting to set up a certain way and do a certain thing. So it's not like I pull out this, this rule book or, or, or pull out this barometric chart. It's just a feel. And I, and I said, I'm convinced that these fishermen like that, yes, they get technical. Yes. They study. Yes. They think, but when it gets tournament, they there's gotta be a part of those clones. that just says, you know what? I've been fishing off sore, but I'm about to take this today. I just, the way the sun's shining and the way it I'm about to take a trick worm and I'm about to whoop everybody. Yeah, right. and I don't know what it is, I, and I, and I might be wrong. Well, no, you're you're like dead on.
1: You're dead on. And I had an old uh, in a tournament one time years and years ago, and it, it's this this resonates with me. It, it, the guy, it, a guy told me he said he said you got to trust your gut and in the outdoors. I don't care if it's turkey hunting or bass fishing, elk hunting, you name it. And every experience, you know, your brain is a computer. Every experience is going into your mind and your 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 absorbing that you may not even realize it and he said if you're running down the lake and he said you have this little voice in your head that says you need to hang a left I don't care if you caught him 35 miles up that river if a little voice in your head says hang a left and go in the back of that pocket and make a few casts he said you follow that voice he said, because nine wow. times out of 10, that's, that's, your, that's your experiences talking. And, and uh, I can't tell you the numbers of times that I have followed that. It doesn't always work, but I can just tell you there's a lot of times that it, it did work. And I, I think that um, you can get too technical. Uh, we are a little old school maybe. But uh, uh, if I had to give these young guys fishing and hunting, uh, uh, one piece of advice is, is, is follow your gut. You know, you got to follow your gut for sure.
2: That that's unbelievable advice. And I and I a hundred percent believe in that too, Joe. I like I said, it's not foolproof, but I will say your percentage is in your favor when you trust that instinct and that gut, especially if you got legitimate success and years experience of that. You you can't even tell people. You can't go back and even tell somebody why you threw at that stump. I mean, yeah, you can you can get technical and and if there's ever any great bullshit artist, it's a professional bass fisherman. You <laughs> really- That's a fact.
0: Lemon
2: <laughs> yeah. you know, NASCAR drivers. That goes, gun, well, that 35-volt d- deep yeah. that dive and throwing that that chartreuse, sun gun yeah. treble hook, <laughs> and I knew by God I put that so-and-so petrol. It's like a NASCAR. But deep down, <laughs> deep down, deep down I go to the side, like, what you do? Like, you ain't gonna leave, I took that pumpkin seed trick worm and raped them yeah. around <laughs> that freaking pontoon boat over on the east end of the lake. I, yeah. Just a gut instinct told me I need to throw at that freaking Oh, and god dog i caught my all four of them i caught four of them right there
1: that's awesome like, you know if
2: it's your whispering because you don't want nobody to know you know it's like so anyway i, I just i love it i love it all man I, I could go on for two hours talking to you guys about this stuff man i just i don't know and everybody wants to separate you know the you know these these what they consider to be a pro or an elite or a professional hunter and i kind of don't even like those titles i don't like it for fishermen in reality yes that They are fishermen and hunters that I think have elevated their game that's to a point of a Nernhardt driving a race car. However, at the end of it, we're just hunters and we're just fishermen. And we've been afforded this fact through these industries and these tournaments and this, you know, uh, fanfare of the sport, not necessarily us, to do these things. And so therefore I don't like to be considered a professional hunter. I just want to be an ambassador of it. And so, uh, you know, it, and for me, yeah, you, 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 keep getting after it. And if you have a passion and you're in and your greedy game hog, whether it's fishing or, or, or hunting, you're going to learn to get good at it only because of your own selfishness, not because of your ego to be on Instagram now, but you know, for me, I wanted to kill turkeys for one reason. I just didn't want to go home without one. You know? <laughs> yep. uh, the one reason I don't fish that much is because I'm not that freaking good at it. And, 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 and I don't like to go and fish all day and not catch a fish. I'm like, this sucks. That's why I don't play golf. I do not play golf because I've done it four or five times and I suck. And I end up having to go to the preacher and, and ask to be – Resaved again because I cuss so much I get so mad I'm like I'm not doing something that I ain't good at Uh, or if I can't feel like I get good at well
1: I can just tell you what Michael I could go on forever too but there you know everything's got to come to an end but I like this little segue because that means I can have you back and we can talk a little bit more about what's coming up but uh, Michael Waddell I gotta tell you buddy uh, I love you man you're an ambassador to the sport you're just a a good dude and uh, you've done so many great things for the out outdoor industry and and I i just know that you're gonna keep on doing it and uh I can't thank you enough for being on with us and just keep keep your nose pointed in the right direction. I'm gonna keep watching, all right.
2: Man, I can't say thank you enough, buddy. Those words mean a lot to me and uh and Joe Jim, thank you all for having me on, buddy. And I, I tell you what, I've enjoyed every second of being on here and just kind of getting around the campfire and talking. So anytime, man, let's do it again. Like I said, we can uh We'll keep telling stories. And like I said, all these things are the truth. Just imagine what we can do when we start telling these. fabulous. <laughs> Absolutely. Well,
1: listen, you enjoy, you enjoy them steaks and cold beer with the family oh, tonight. Man. And we'll catch you down the road, buddy. Thank
2: y'all so much.
0: Michael, Take thank care, you, baby. man. Really appreciate it.
2: Thank you, Jim. Appreciate it.
1: So what did I tell you, Jim? What you see is what you get with Michael Waddell, and that's why American
0: Outdoorsmen and ladies love this guy. Yes, they do. He's authentic, he's real, and uh, he used to be a cameraman, and you know I like that.
1: Yeah, that kind of touches home with you, doesn't
0: it? (laughs) Just a little bit. Thanks for listening to Steel's Real Life with Joe Thomas. Steel's Real Life is a presentation of Real Outdoors TV, all rights reserved.